Game Boys. Hey there, Internet. Welcome to another episode of the Game Boys podcast. My name is Lux, and with me, as always, he is just looking for some way to get past Genichiro. It's Griffin Davis. And away I found Lux. It only took me a mere eight hours to beat this video game boss. Yep, that's what I've heard. It's incredible. Man, you know, Sekiro is truly the new DDR. It's a rhythm game, and it's the kind of, it's like, imagine playing DDR are but you lost if you didn't get every perfect yeah no exactly i mean <laughs> we're gonna talk about sekiro actually in relationship to the game we're talking about today shock mm-hmm. and surprise sure um, yeah we can, we'll uh, be talking about secure for well, a while well, i have i have some thoughts about how about this this uh, the connections between these games so we're gonna talk about it in a little oh, bit okay um, well, i'm excited to hear your thoughts lux uh one big thing i have to mention at the top I had a video game experience that was tangentially related to the Injustice uh, video game series, which we'll be talking about today. I went to the Dave and Buster's in Hollywood and it was a shit show. Um, Okay, so you've been to a normal Dave and Buster's, right? I've been to several Dave and Buster's. Okay, it's like a suburban affair, right? In general, yeah, that's sort of the deal. There is a bar, but you know. Uh, Well, there's a bar for dad while the kids like get $20 of power card and run around. Yes. Now, uh, imagine if you took like a Dave and Buster's and then like combined it with like an ecstasy fueled club. And that's what you get at the Dave and Buster's at Hollywood. Oh, sure. Uh, It's all fucking weirdos. It is a disaster zone over there. It is crazy. Uh, All of the all of the attractions are giant, but they hurt so loud because there's like a club blasting. And then also all the video game arcade sounds going on. It was miserable. But I did play Injustice, uh, the arcade version of Injustice there. uh, And it sucked. Um, Well, here's a double question. One, I guess it's only the same question. You answer the second part. Why were you there? Oh, yeah. Um, it was uh, it was like a sketch team thing. Like someone, the idea like we should all hang out as like a sketch team, like at a place. And then like none of us could hear each other talk. Yeah, no, what a terrible, <laughs> what a terrible place of, of all the places to put that. I did event. play this one horror game uh, that was uh, that like literally beat the shit out of you. Like whenever the jump scares come out, like the oh, seat sure. would hit you in the back and like it would literally like punch you in the back. Yeah, like every those, time a scary thing came one out. One of those jostle games. It was awful. Yeah, but, those are infuriating. Um, yeah, Dave and Buster's never go there. It is a cursed place. All right. Well, well, you've been suffering. I've been having a big week. Okay. A couple big developments. Uh, Blood Bowl season started. I lost. No! The fir- I lost the first game. <laughs> Don't you goddamn mention Blood Bowl. Uh, I lost the first game. That's going to change. It's going to be hot. We're going to be good, but we'll get back to that later. The ma- biggest thing that happened is I finally figured out a way to using my elite hacking skills, get Magic the Gathering Arena on my Macintosh computer. Okay. Which is not you can't do that. It's only on PC. It's oh, another, PC it's only. A PC oh, only okay. Game. So I've hacked it. So now I can play Magic online, and I've yet to lose. Oh, <laughs> I've okay. Been playing so- nerds and destroying them left and right with my refined skills. <laughs> um, yes, you are kind of a card master. Yeah, well, it's great because now I can play what I think is the best designed game of all games in any format ever. Um, anytime I want on my computer. <laughs> uh, now, when you win, do they play any Linkin Park covers as the victory music? Well, War of the Spark hasn't come out yet, so okay. I assume that once they make the set change, that will be updated. And you could you could also substitute uh, any kind of like Evanescence um, or, you know, anything of that vibe, I think. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot you can do with it. 
Um, speaking of a lot you can do, we've got a guest today who can do a lot of different things. Good. Um, he's a writer. <laughs> he's a comic books wizard. He's also sort of, at least aesthetically speaking, a cowboy. It's uh, my fellow writer at Wisecrack, Matthew Terrio. Matthew, welcome to the show. Howdy, y'all. Thank you kindly for having me on. Hey, thank yes. you for coming. Um, we've been trying to get this one. This has been sort of uh, in the back burner plans for a minute. So I'm glad to kind of finally get you on. Um, one of those reasons is that you have express interest in games just sort of at the channel and during meetings and stuff. So I'm wondering, start with the question we always start with, how did you get into video games and whatnot? So I've always loved video games, uh, but I was never allowed to play them as a kid, except for like going over to friends' houses. Uh, My parents just did not believe them. They bought me a Genesis, but like never any games for it. Uh, I had like two or or three games over the lifespan of the console. Uh, That would be insane. They bought me an N64 and Goldeneye for Christmas one year, but I never knew it until years later because as punishment, they took it away. They didn't tell me I was being punished at all. Wait. Yeah. Hold on. So they took away a present you didn't know existed? Exactly. I don't see the logic in that. That is some brutal fucking parenting. Yeah, they uh, they did have a PC. So that was mostly what I grew up on. Like my Mario and Zelda was Jedi Outcast, Jedi Academy, all that. Like those were my jams. Okay, Okay. sure. That I can relate to since I came up with the trailer Crondor and Assassination of Crondor and other games set in the Crondor universe. <laughs> other Crondor titles. <laughs> any Crondor titles I get my goddamn hands on. Um, I, I actually got into uh, console gaming. Uh, I was supposed to take an independent study in college, philosophy and video games. So I bought the Xbox uh, One, or no, no, Xbox uh, 360 at the time uh, for class. The professor canceled it. I kept it. Bioshock, Mass Effect, you know, a whole bunch of great games that really started my current day video game. Okay, so you got really into games, into console games once people sort of figured out how to make console games. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that philosophy teacher was like, I could teach this class, but I've also got all these games now. <laughs> I mean, as we talked about on the show, I made Bard College finance my video game habit for a year and I was writing my thesis on video games, on philosophy, video games and social structures. And so <laughs> they bought me, they bought me a PlayStation. They bought me an unreasonable sum of games. Yeah, it seems like both of you guys, you guys are both uh, Wisecrack uh, employees. I guess we've had other guests on from Wisecrack in the past. And it seems like you guys have done like the ultimate thing of like taking your major and then just like put it into like other fields like pop culture and video games. Yeah, that, that was essentially my major. It was always like taking classes, pop culture and movies or, or no, no uh, philosophy and movies, philosophy and video games, which never happened. But philosophy and Tolkien, that was a class I took philosophy and C.S. Lewis, a class philosophy sure. and Narnia, a separate class. I just made them <laughs> electives and turned it into a major. <laughs> yeah, that's always a good I mean, relatable. It's basically what I did. I was like, I want to talk about cartoons and movies, uh, but also capitalism. So. Uh, let's make it happen. Um, so that's your kind of past in video games. Uh, what do you play currently? So I just uh, got level 30 and finished like the final stronghold of the division. So I just hit the end game last night. Nice. Normally not my kind of game. I'm much more of a single player offline story driven game. Uh, division, just the aesthetics of it, you know, draw me in so strongly. It's my one exception to the games as services. Yeah, I don't normally play those games either because it's very military based. There isn't any kind of fantasy element in the art direction is you know very tom clancy is how i would describe it you know very kind of neutral and gray and green colors uh but yeah the, that game is so much fun because um they're just doing a lot of the rpg elements right um but i also feel like you can play that game alone right which i did the entire time 
And okay. I, I feel they, they do such a good job with mission structure, setting it in unique locations, like all the museums. A museum is the perfect place to have a a mission. Gunfight. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is cool. Like, I haven't played those games because I super don't play online games. I don't play shooters and I don't play military games. So overall, this game has nothing to offer me at all. It unchecks every yeah, box. Precisely for you. so. <laughs> um, but what is cool about it from what I've heard and what videos I've watched is that it does really play with the DC space. And like DC is such a cool city. I mean, obviously I lived there and grew up there, so I have a bias, but like I think it's a sweet city and I think putting things in the museums and in like the different like huge weird federal buildings and stuff is a really good flavor choice because you see so much of like New York and L.A., which is like skyscrapers or traffic. But uh, D.C. has a lot of really cool, unique architecture. that's probably really fun to play around in and also to blow up. Yeah, my best friend lives in D.C., so I go there all the time. And so seeing a one to one recreation of it was just uh, such a cool experience. And of course, the first thing I did was I ran over to his apartment, to like, see if I can find it. And yeah, <laughs> what you can do in a game like that, you know, that's so faithful of a rendition. No, you can definitely. I mean, Spider-Man was fun because you could find things like Chinatown Fair um, one of my favorite places in New York City or like other things like that just by like web swinging around Spider-Man style which was very nice yeah one of the first things I did in Spider-Man try to find the bar that uh, some of the wisecrack people hang out for oh, uh, trivia nights <laughs> try to find Hinterlands <laughs> Yeah, and then they would never do that uh, with an L.A. game. I mean, GTA tries to do it, but they end up just kind of summarizing it because L.A. is so fucking ugly. Well, because L.A. is seven cities that a baby picked yeah. up and smashed together and then threw <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> That's how yeah. you got Los Angeles. Um, well, Matthew, so um, you at Wisecrack write a lot about comic books, stuff like that. Um, I know because I've directed a lot of those videos. Um, what's like, do you find there's like a cool intersection in your fascination with comics and video games, like any sort of shared appeal between the two that like makes you, that makes those sort of your two areas of focus? Hmm. You know, I'm not sure uh, that they have a stronger connection as media as video games do with film per se. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of overlap right now. I am actually working on strictly uh, video game scripts for Wisecrack. So there are two games I'm also playing that I can't really talk about on the show right now. Uh, but this will be my first video game work for Wisecrack, which I'm excited to finally dive into. Well, if that's true, then then I think the natural follow up question then is like if you've noticed a difference in researching and thinking about video games and comic books in a way that's been interesting to you. Uh, well, like my the normal process? recess process is like ad fontes, go to the source. And it's just a lot of fun just reading comic books and saying I'm working right now or playing video games <laughs> and saying I'm working right now. So yeah. actually not that big of a difference in the process. <laughs> Oh, weird. I, I always find everything to be super different. Maybe I'm just a fucking weirdo. So I am famously on this podcast, the cool one. Uh, so I don't know that much about comic books. Uh, like what is going on in the state of like DC comics in 2019? DC for the past few years, ever since their rebirth initiative uh, has just been nailing it. Absolutely. Marvel is dominating in the box office, but DC is just trouncing them creatively uh, hmm. when it comes to the comics television shows, video game adaptations, uh, the comics in particular, uh, Scott Snyder, who's like the breakout star of the last decade. Uh, he's doing a fantastic run on Justice League. Mm. Yeah, well, hasn't it been sort of and I've been following comics as closely as I used to, but hasn't it been sort of a thing where Marvel's been getting a lot of really good young writers who they decide not to pay, who then either leave to Indies or D.C.? Um, 
And there's been a recent movement at Marvel to start rehiring some of their like old stars like Hickman and Carrie and whatnot. Yes, I am so excited for Hickman coming back uh, to do X-Men like that is a franchise that has needed revitalization basically since the 90s. Uh, that was the last time it was really well, no, since the 2000s when Morrison was on. That's the yeah. last time it was okay, Morrison X-Men was really cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the fact that they let Hickman go after Secret Wars was the biggest mistake Marvel's ever made. Yeah, because that's really been, at least as far as I know from the outside, the big story has been like DC has been like just paying their creators a lot and keeping people around who've done good work for them. And Marvel has just sort of been like, we can just sort of factory everyone because we have the movies to like make a bajillion dollars. So it doesn't really matter what happens on the comic side of things. Um, but now they're realizing that like maybe it does because like sort of everyone, even me, who is like decidedly a Marvel over DC person generally, um, is I like, yeah, DC has been having a much more impressive comics run for a while. And I also feel like DC just actually like maybe comics and video games is like actually like their environment to thrive. Like, cause, cause arguably the DC heroes are just so much stranger a lot of the time than some of the Marvel heroes that could like, Oh, this could be a movie. But like, I don't know how like some of these DC heroes could be a movie, but like they fit perfectly into like a video game. I would say that they fit perfectly into cinema, too. Uh, you've seen all the big ones, you know, have a good film, like even if there are also bad adaptations. Sure. The original Christopher Reeve, great Superman movie. Nolan's Batman, great Batman movies. Even the Aquaman movie, phenomenal. They can yeah. make great movies like they've mm-hmm. just had a string of bad ones that are inexplicable. That's fair. You can make yeah. anything a good movie. There I, guess. Is some, I think Griffin, you are something that there's like a different kind of edge, like edge flavor in DC comics. Like you also you have your Aquaman, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, who are all pretty followable and interesting to sure. make into movie movies. But the rest of like the OG Justice League is like Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter and Cyborg. Um, who I do think have you need to walk audiences through a little bit more than you do with with some of the Marvel characters. Um, one thing that Marvel was really clever about, and this is really a Jack Kirby thing, is like anytime it was like a fantastical character like Thor or something, they made them Thor, like a thing you already know about. Right. Um, that already has a context attached. Whereas DC, which I think to their credit, was like making shit up whole cloth. Yeah. Um, which hmm. is cool, but also a little bit harder for an audience to just jump into without knowing about it. Well, it sounds like we're the DC of video game podcasts. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> making we, shit up as we go. Yep. Just uh, sort of fully fabricating everything we do. Um, but we don't uh, put pictures of ladies uh, killing themselves in our comic books. That was a mistake. There is a, wait, 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 wait. There was a whole uh, Harley Quinn disaster PR crisis DC had a couple of years ago. That It's not worth going into, but it was a big oops. Well, it seems like she's back in a big way in the game that our guest picked this week. So before we talk anymore, I think we should get into a little bit of history about this game. Back in 2010, Ed Boon, creator of famed fighting series Mortal Kombat, wanted to create a new type of fighting game that would feel dramatically different from the rest of the genre he helped inspire. His answer was Injustice, Gods Among Us, a mashup fighting game between the heroes and villains of the DC universe. Boon knew that DC wanted a T rating for the game, so he replaced the violent bloodbath of Mortal Kombat with batshit over-the-top cartoon action. It released a commercial success, but with a narrative campaign so bad it bordered on parody. They quickly began working on a sequel that they said would give players a longer-term experience and a level of control that makes the game a truly personal experience. The sequel was released in North America on May 16, 2017. Did it deliver on the developer's promises of a deeper, longer-lasting experience? And is this the worst iteration Joker ever designed? This week, come on a journey with us through one of the most coherent stories ever told, with Injustice 2. Wow. 
All right, so Matthew, we always start with the same question every time. Why, of all games, this game in particular? So being that I am the comic book guy at Wisecrack, Mm -hmm. I thought it was thematically appropriate that I bring in a comic book uh, video game. And for me, this is just the absolute pinnacle of the fighting game genre. Mm -hmm. I think that it's doing a lot better of a job than any of its main competitors like uh, Street Fighter or Marvel vs. Capcom. Uh, NetherRealm. They just have a different pacing to their fighters. It's a lot more deliberate. They've got a different uh, input style. You don't have the bullshit of half circles, quarter circles. It's much more friendly to people like me who are just bad at video games. We don't have the dexterity or the, you know, hand-eye coordination to, like, pull those moves off. But we can still do awesome, crazy batshit stuff you know in this game so absolutely it's yeah. accessible it's accessible in a way that like no other fighting games that i play i'm bad at fighting games like i played injustice 2 and i had fun and i did stuff <laughs> yeah exactly and i think adding the rpg elements to this fighting genre is just the genius thing that was waiting to come along and finally they did it and that makes a single player person like me have reason to go back time and again, even after the campaign. I've put hundreds of hours into this. I'm not even level 20 with all the characters. That's how much, you know, depth then there is to do with this game. The, the gear system, especially like hits all those Skinner box dopamine uh, triggers for me. <laughs> sure. So, OK, so that's interesting. You say you talk about the, the mechanics of this game, because that's sort of I think that this game really, as you said, kind of sings in the single player. Like the single player is where most of the more interesting mechanics of this game, the the leveling up, um, a lot of the fighting stuff really plays best. I don't know for me at least, it doesn't. I don't think mechanically step up, like really, uh, get, step onto the level of, of something like a Street Fighter, um, in okay. particular Street Fighter. Um, and yeah. this is where my Sekiro comparison comes into play. Actually, okay, so we're gonna talk about controls first. Okay, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about how them sticks feel. We gotta ask the question we ask every podcast episode that we How try to remember. To, we try to remember to ask every podcast episode. I think is a fair way to put it. But okay, so so Sekiro, right? What's fascinating about Sekiro is that, and and to a lesser extent, all the other sort of games from that company, is that your character barely really levels up. The thing that levels up is you, the player. Like you sure. physically get better at playing the game and doing the inputs. This is a thing that was sort of the development arc and and structure of fighting games, right? That was thing is like you never. Blanca never got stronger in Street Fighter 3. You just got better at being Blanca. Yeah, it's like Overwatch in the same way. You can't get right. better that way. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I really like that about fighting games. And the thing with Injustice is that because it's a slower paced game, because the inputs are different, there's sort of a less top room curve for that, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it does sort of make it a less technical and strategic game in the one-on-one like PvP setup of the right, game because the because uh, the guy that you could be fighting just has better gear than you there's like that, he may but have, also there's just like yeah. not the same kind of teching there's not the same kind of comboing there's not the same kind of like map control jumping space like it's just not quite as like precise as the other games but i think it's a really interesting thing you get this question of accessibility which is like the hot question in video games right now because of sekiro is that like one thing this game does do is like create this accessible like matthew got to it like you can do even if you're not good at fighting games right like i fucking love to play fighting games um, but even if you're like you Griffin or like anyone else, like you can play it and like throw a car through the Joker and like punch like uh, Aquaman in outer space or whatever. And like you can do all that without having to master on a bunch of, of, of sort of, uh, complicated controls. And I think that's a really fascinating choice that this game made. Because I don't think it was trying to be a fighting game the style of a Street Fighter or something like that. I think it was a very conscious choice not to be that. Yeah, it's appealing to a way broader audience. Yeah, and I think it's because it wants the single player to be the, the thing. 
I don't think it ever want. I don't think this game ever wanted to like be at Evo, if that makes sense. Which it is, right? From, or at least it was uh, last year. I don't know if they brought it back this year or not. But uh, going to the idea of like a roguelike mentality for Sekiro or those kind of games where you as the player are leveling up—that's not a genre that's ever appealed to me. Roguelikes. I mean, I did like Dead Cells, but in spite of that. But games like RPGs where you can kind of grind a little over level and if you're struggling with a boss, equip better gear and bam, now you can move on. You can get the loot, you know, and that does definitely feel that like dopamine instinct for sure. Yeah, I played maybe five games online, like against five matches online against other players in Injustice 2. I am all about the single player. So equipping that gear and just beating the AI to pieces. That's you love all. the numbers. Yeah, they take a really <laughs> important note from Destiny where it's just like, boom. it's like almost like a looter shooter in terms of like how they hit you with the with the loot and like always wanting to get bigger and better numbers. Uh, and I, I think it works really well. It makes me want to invest in the game for longer. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is that like fighting game single player modes, I usually don't like couldn't give less of a shit about. Mm-hmm. Like if I buy a fighting game, it's not I have no intention of playing it single player, but this is one where the single player really is awesome like it's worth playing for the single player by itself which is like a thing that i think is almost never true of fighting games now one controversial thing i read is that you can't actually really block in this game and like the way that like mortal Kombat used to is that still true so there's not a block button you just yeah. uh hit back which i find so much easier and when i was yeah. playing the mortal Kombat 11 beta a few weeks ago i kept trying to do exactly that like i'm playing injustice uh mm-hmm. and i you know kept getting hit because it's a whole different button now so i actually like the injustice scheme a little bit better than the Mortal Kombat scheme. It's just yeah. more intuitive. No, back button, blo- back, back move, back move block is smart. Yeah, I think sometimes like uh, a like a simple like simplicity is more fun. Like sometimes it's just it's sometimes it's just like if you like take away things, it doesn't necessarily mean it's like a weaker or more shallow game. It's it can still be fun in a lot of ways like that. No, I mean, um, I think the, the back one is really cool to me because I think it appeals to like your psychology like if something's punching at you you want to go away from it so your natural instinct is to push away and yeah. if that becomes blocked then like cool good that you've naturally integrated human psychology into your buttons you're doing a good job that's what game designing is good job right yep. and in Sekiro you have to go forwards not backwards <laughs> yeah well because they want you, you running to towards, towards the they want you towards the sword <laughs> <laughs> so I do think if you were only getting numerically stronger, this game wouldn't work. The, the gear system works not because you're leveling up, but because you're getting all this cool cosmetic drops. And basically, you're getting new action figures like from when you're a little kid and you're getting to dress them up in all the cool variants that they had for like all the cool Batman action figures. You're buying all of them at once in here and mixing and matching, getting different uh, cosmetics. That's Skins. the motivation. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. to keep going. Absolutely. Because then you see like, oh, like this dude's got that crazy skin. He means some business. Well, or just if you're just collecting for collecting sake, you can just go through like this history of like DC Comics, right? Because it's like all different old retro looks and all that kind of stuff, right? See, that's the problem. There's a lot of different uh, gear for each and every character, like dozens and dozens of gear pieces. But it's so narrow within the aesthetic style of we're going to have everyone in big bulky armor they're not going back to the classic looks uh like i would have loved if morrison superman with the jeans and t-shirt uh you can use that but no they don't even have the classic superman with the red briefs like no red underwear that's just a sin right everyone's oh, interesting everyone's pretty much like just beefed out in this game which is like a pretty classic modern fighting game aesthetic but also as you say kind of loses a little bit of what made these characters initial designs kind of sweet huh because i remember in the most recent spider-man game like all of the unlockable skins were like 
it, like awesome shout outs to like the history of like Spider-Man comics and they're not doing it that well in this one. No, not nearly. Uh, I mean, a lot of the uh, emblems, uh, especially for Superman, reference a lot of the Elseworlds. Like he has his uh, Nazi Superman emblem, his communist Superman emblem. Yeah, <laughs> crazy versions like that. But nothing so cool as the uh, cell shaded Spider-Man. Like that's how I played that entire game. Like right, right out of the I, Steve Ditko era comics. I, I was uh, noir Spider-Man. <laughs> OK, looking forward to seeing him uh, in the new movie coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll definitely be there. Uh, in Endgame, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, no, no, no uh, one mentioned- far from home. <laughs> oh, is he going to be in that? Uh, there's going to be that costume in there, whether it's going to be the actual <laughs> Spider-Man noir, I doubt it. Although we did just get him in uh, uh, Spider-Verse last year. Yeah, in Spider-Verse, yeah, which oh, is what Nick Cage was playing him, so kind of hard to top. beautiful cameo that was. So now that we're kind of talked a little bit about the controls, I want to talk one last thing about kind of gameplay, which is like the fatalities or like the kills in this one. The kills are amazing in this game. Uh, like my favorite one, personally, and I want to hear what you guys are, is uh, when Batman... Uh, like uses his bat plane to pick someone up and then just like shoot them a million times in the sky. It's so funny. So my favorite by far is the flash where he sends his opponents back in time, slams them into the Sphinx, breaks off its nose, slams them into a dinosaur (laughs) and then goes forward in time and slams them into their own past self when he started the finishing move to begin with. (laughs) Yeah, that actually is also my favorite. That one just feels so like, it's cool because it's a shout out to like like Max Power the Flash, but it's like so extra in so many ways. Yeah, because they had to be extra because they couldn't be bloody. And I think that's like such a great direction to take it. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any problem with the gore of the Mortal Kombat series, but Injustice is not having that as a crutch really stepped up its game uh, yeah. much better than the fatalities we're seeing for MK11, except for Johnny Cage's. I don't know if you guys have seen that one yet. No, what does he do? So he throws to punch his opponent's head off uh, and it doesn't fly off. So you see the director's call cut and they do a second take of it. And uh, he tries to punch it off again and it still doesn't happen. He's like, where did you get this extra from? And finally it comes off and uh, <laughs> basically breaking the fourth wall, pretending that they're filming a uh, scene in an action movie. Incredible. <laughs> I think that's so good. Like it. One thing about comic movies that's always they struggle with and like the best ones can achieve this in a certain way and the other ones kind of struggle with is the balance between like the the cathartic versus or the violent versus emotional catharsis in those stories and one thing that video games are good at is tying those two things together which you get a lot in this game of just like feeling like you're the character doing the thing as opposed to just a third party watching absolutely which is just such right. a cool feeling i always want to like feel like i'm the flash since mm-hmm. I'm like a dude with Since like the slowest person I've met. And a bad <laughs> knee. So, so, so was Flash your main when you were playing? Uh, yeah, I've, I haven't played too much. I played a lot with the Flash, played a little with Aquaman. Um, I played a little with Green Lantern. But yeah, the Flash is probably the one who I was most into. Yeah. Um, probably for that exact reason, that's the one that's furthest from my actual way of being. <laughs> yeah, Flash is definitely one of my mains, along with Aquaman and Black Adam. Oh, Black Adam rules. So now moving on, uh, let's talk a little bit about the story of this game, because I'm dying to talk about the story, because I played this campaign knowing very little of the DC universe, and it is just like epic how many people they try and fit into this story. Yeah, a lot of the characters that I was dreaming of when the first game came out, like, oh, why couldn't we have Starfire and Firestorm and some of these more obscure sure. niche heroes, finally seeing them added and that following seeing 
the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles added as DLC. Uh, <laughs> that if they had gotten Neo like they were trying to, like they had been in talks and plans to put Neo in there too, like it would have been even better. Yeah. Um, and if they had gotten the white dreadlock guys from Reloaded, uh, I think the, that I would have. The Spaghetti uh, Brothers? The Spaghetti Brothers? I think that would have been lit. Um, but you are uh, you are a master or, or a, a professor of DC uh, comic books. Uh, how do you feel like this story did just overall, like in the grand scheme and maybe break it down for like a second? Yeah, uh, it's definitely like not in the top pantheon of great comic book stories. Uh, right. And I think fighting games never really tried to tell good stories before NetherRealm came along. So you're in the very nascent stages of that storytelling medium, uh, the fighting game. So it, it's OK that it's not the best story in the world. Like they're better than anyone else out there, you know, better than World of Light or whatever Street Fighter Five eventually came out with uh, in a patch somewhere. But uh, I have a love hate relationship with evil Superman because oh for my me, God. Superman Part of the core conceit of his character is like he's perfect, not just like as a physical specimen, but like morally perfect, like temptations just bounce off him like bullets. Like he is the paragon that we look to and we can trust that he's never going to do the wrong thing until the thing. <laughs> The thing I love about this is, like all great Elseworld stories, it shows why that is so important uh, of a characteristic for Superman, his humility, his wanting to be uh, everyday normal human being in the guise of Clark Kent, uh, because it shows when he loses Clark exactly what he becomes, either communist Superman or Nazi Superman or dictator Superman like you have here. Yeah. So basically to sum it up for people who haven't played this game, uh, it's kind of a would you describe it as an alternate timeline? Right? Uh, no, it's not an alternate timeline. It's an alternate universe in the DC multiverse. It's an in the universe. first game, they yeah. actually interact with the quote unquote real Superman. Yeah. I was going to say the, this game already fucked around with timelines in a way that got confusing. So we got to be very careful with the terminology. Yeah, because like there was all this shit about how like the Joker killed Superman's wife and then Superman went crazy and all this stuff. Right. Like they're just kind of like what if it's like a big what if story right yeah and in fact uh, they got that from a different what if story uh kingdom come where the joker also kills lois lane and then like superman just flies off into exile until he has his second coming like jesus and he's like okay you're all gonna start doing what i say from now on and it does not go well basically leads to armageddon (laughs) Mm-hmm. Right. So like I, my take on this as not, not being a stranger to like the the machinations of the DC universe, um, I simultaneously found this campaign to be very fun simply because it'd be like, oh, now the swamp thing is coming out of the swamp. Oh, OK, let's do this one. Uh, and there was there was a funness to that. But then it's kind of unfortunately like tempered with this very self-serious tone for a lot of the scenes, which I felt like I would have much rather had uh, just like, oh, like. Like, this is going to be fun and goofy. And, and instead, when it tries to go more dramatic and serious, it's like, no, this does not make sense. See, I felt it had the perfect balance of that and the perfect uh, alternating like uh, bathos and pathos that you find in the best Marvel movies where okay. you're going to have levity, but you're also going to have gravity. And it's in mm-hmm. pretty good proportion to one another. Yeah, I thought okay. it was fun. This game is fun. I'm playing with that. I also this game like I, I totally agree. I don't I actually really have a strong distaste for evil Superman. Um, Superman, like you said, is a, a is supposed to be perfect, and B, uh, as like a Jew, uh, is an important figure in like the cultural mythology of my he, uh people, uh, because he's the first Jewish superhero, is in a certain type of way, um, 
because he was invented by Jews as sort of a reaction to the World War II that was happening at the time. Yeah, appropriating uh, the whole idea of the Ubermensch, you know, the Superman away from the Nazis. Yeah, exactly so. So it just like sucks for me when they make him evil. Um, but I do think that this game at least like put in the legwork to make it pilotable in a certain way by having him just be sort of a dick even before he goes like fully psychotic in the game. Like his tone is never particularly chill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's never a part where he's likable Superman in the game. He's just like not likable Superman than like straight up a villain. Right. Um, and I already don't like Superman because he's perfect. Like that's just like not someone that I'm like, yeah, that guy, the perfect guy who's hot. Like, Hell yeah, that's who I like. Yeah, well, you know, he's an ideal to aspire to, but it's, it's nice when they <laughs> absolutely it's, it's good when they turn that it's fun to turn that inside out. And even for me, like someone who finds those inside outs to be kind of frustrating, at least this game, like did it effectively. Like didn't feel like like, for instance, to talk about Zack Snyder for a second, which I guess was inevitable. We're talking about D.C. stuff like the, the king of D.C. Yeah, Zack Snyder, <laughs> the king of Washington, the District of Columbia. Um, <laughs> he he seems to revel in subverting sort of the rules these comic book characters not for any reason other than like the rules were dumb because they're written for babies um which sucks it's a shitty way to be and a shitty way to make you tell your stories and i think this game was able to subvert the characters while still sort of like respecting the core ideas of what the characters represent so the subversions felt more meaningful because they felt like they were coming from a place and not just from him being like superman can punch so good he's got to kill people <laughs> Right. Um, or, or Batman stabbing a dude. Yeah. I fucking his quote recently. He was like, Batman and Superman kill people. Grow up. And it's like they're fictional characters. If they're fictional characters say they don't kill people, they don't kill. People. Like, it's not. Ugh, yeah, I, mean, I hate that guy. Superman is like bringing Batman into the clouds with his super move here and punching him like through the sky. And uh, Supergirl is taking someone like uh, Catwoman, throwing her around the sun and crashing back into the earth. No blood. Like. They're taking that whole idea of it's fiction to its logical conclusion here in Injustice. Sure. Where no one's getting killed or hurt. Right. Like, that's another thing I love about these games is even though they do kind of go for a little bit of like the grim, darky, like bulky punch boy aesthetic, which I'm not the biggest fan of. They do also like play with like almost like uh, like cartoon logic as far as like how much punishment people can endure and what people can do and what can happen to them and how things break and explode. Like it is way it, it at no point does this game feel like it's going for like the kind of like realism that so many of these like properties have been like trying to incorporate in a way that I find very stupid. Um, I think that this game did a really good job of being like, yeah, it can be grim, dark and punchy without having to be like real. Um, and it can still have crazy comic book physics and whatnot involved. And I think that like, that's the kind of stuff that sets this game apart from other fighting games is that it's looking more to capture that sense of like extraordinary physics, comic book reality than it is like a kind of like visceral punchiness, which I think is very smart. Um, yeah. and now, and really now, there are, there, now there's a narrative choice you get to make at the end of this game. And I'm curious what uh, what our guest chose. Uh, you can either choose to uh, side with evil Superman and then he defeats Batman and like kills everyone and like turns Batman into like a mind controlled Batman. Or you can choose Batman's side and then Superman is defeated, stabbed with a gold kryptonite and imprisoned in the Phantom Zone. So, of course, I played both uh, endings. Uh, the mm -hmm. one I went to first was, you know, Superman defeating Batman, only because 
I really do not like the way Batman plays at all, but Superman, one of my mains, <laughs> love just playing as him. And so even though I completely disagree with evil dictator uh, Superman and wanted Batman to win, I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to go with the easy control input uh, first time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lux, well, well, narratively, how do you feel? Um, Yeah, like. I like to try to fix Superman. <laughs> like sending Superman to jail feels really <laughs> fucked up to me. I can fix him. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I guess when I say it like that, it becomes like a weird uh, rom-com problematic toxic masculinity <laughs> thing. But like the, he fucking it's, you know, I, the idea that the game makes you make this choice and which one of the choices basically implies that Superman is irredeemable. is so antithetical to my conception of Superman and why he's good that like, I can't fuck with it. So I, I have a theory as to why they made Superman the overarching villain of like the whole Injustice series, uh, presumably going on to number three, where he's going to be the big bad again, I'm assuming. Everyone loved Frank Miller's Dark Knight, where they pull out the big Superman versus Batman fight at the end. And right. every single comic book writer since that's touched either Superman or Batman has had to have those two characters fight. It's a trope everyone wants to go back to. So Ed Boone, when he gets his chance, that's what he wants to make the games about. Sure. And just like Captain America and Iron Man, there's enough of an ideological distinction in their personalities where you really could have them organically fighting each other time and again you have the one that's the more deontological with batman you know we have a line no killing we don't cross it evil dictator superman is more of the utilitarian like we gotta kill the joker in order to you know prevent more metropolises from being destroyed so it makes sense that they would go to this well time and again and i think also people just truly love to see best friends fight like that's like people love that kind of drama. Like they like it when like two people that used to be friends are now enemies or the reverse. It's like people's favorite like narrative turn, like like when bad guys become good guys and good guys become bad guys. People just like like the flip of the coin on that. That's why that that one episode on Persona 5 we did where I'm really cranky has so many lessons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was so chill. Yeah. Exactly. A perfect. Sorry, Matt. The were you going to say? I actually want to get my joke in. Uh, Batman has such an underdog status versus Superman. So he's by far the more popular character and he's perceived as a weaker. So everyone naturally wants to root for him as the good guy. And so that makes sense to make Superman the villain of the story. If you're going to have him fight. Absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, if you're if you're going if you want to get like some emotional cachet in your game and it's a comic books game and you're trying to have a broad appeal, your move is to take Superman or uh, like, I don't know, a Marvel character of great power that everyone loves, like Iron Man or something and turn them bad um, because you can't just do the legwork to get like, you know, Brainiac over with an audience uh, over the course of a game because like they're not the you know, you can't assume everyone's like read all the books and whatnot when it comes to these games anymore. Right. Like, I think there was probably a time where video game adaptations of comic books, you kind of could assume that everyone was like up on the literature. But now with the movies and the TV shows and the fucking amount of comics that exist, like you just can't make that assumption anymore. And so it's way easier to just take a good guy and make them bad than just like re-justify a bad guy. Yeah, e even I'm not up to date on everything. Like there's a whole bunch of the DC shows I haven't seen. Like I haven't even read all the Injustice comics. So like if I'm not up to date, yeah, you can't assume everyone else is going to be. Either. Right, exactly. And so I think it's, the game is smart to make. Like, again, I have a knee jerk negative reaction to Superman being the bad guy. <laughs> Well, but Batman is a bad smart. guy definitely wouldn't work either. No. Like having Superman just like beat up on an evil Batman. I, I I don't know if I could pitch that story if I was given a chance to write a comic. I don't comic. know, man. We're pretty anti-billionaire these days. I think it could be like an incoming inequality, like class warfare. Right. Game. Well, if you make Batman Lex Luthor, it could work. Um, <laughs> but 
which is not a huge jump, but that's another conversation with him. Um, <laughs> but that um, I, th- I think you're totally right. And I just think that that makes it so it makes it as much as I don't like as much as I instinctively don't like it. I think it is a really smart narrative choice because otherwise we'd spend a lot of the game being like, who's this bad guy again? Why do I care? And said, you're like, oh, bad Superman. This is still big business. Exactly. Yeah. And as and as someone who never like ever related to the Superman character, um, I'm like I was all on board on him being the villain. Um, but uh, speaking of all on board, we've been all on board for a while here. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be back after this commercial break. Lux, I just got back from the gym and you know what? Uh, I feel like no one notices me there. Is it because you're small and weak or because you just don't have anything that makes you stand out? Well, it's because uh, well, I'm very jacked, but uh, the top of my head is bare. And I just wish that I, I've been I wish there was some kind of like muscle or something I could get to make my head bigger. Well, you know, one way to get attention is the classic cowboy hat. But you can't wear a cowboy hat at the gym. It'll get sweaty. No way. It'll fall no off. You'll drop weights on it and break whatever the thing holds it together so it stays popped up. Mm-hmm. You can't be doing that. But that's why our friends at Stetson, a company that's definitely still around. Thank you, Stetson. Has created Stetson Sport, cowboy hats for the gym. Mm-hmm. They're lined with Gore-Tex lining to keep the sweat out of the felty part. And also, they have small metal rods to make sure it stays in shape on your head at all times. People are going to be turning, they're going to be looking, and you're not going to be sweating. Well, you will be, but no one will be able to tell, because it'll be (laughs) in the hat. And the sun will get in your eyes through the window, because it's got a nice brim on it. You know, I'm wearing, I'm recording this from uh, the 24-hour fitness uh, where I typically record these, and I'm wearing mine right now, and it's it's working great. I am the new sheriff of this gym. Griffin now has arrest privileges and a gun, and you could oh. too, if you get a Stetson Sport. Oh, god damn it. Just use the promo code GAMEBOYS at checkout. It's one of those black hats from Planet Fitness. Wow, wow, wow. Bam. Promo code Game Boys. Hey, Internet, welcome back to the Game Boys podcast. My name is Lux. I'm still your host. Your host is still Griffin Davis. Your guest is still Matthew Terrio, and we are still talking about Injustice 2. Um, this is the part of the game where we're part of the show where we rate and review that game, boys, girls, and friends beyond the binary. So what we're going to do is go around in a circle, starting with you, Matthew, because you are our guest, and give our final thoughts and a rating of this game on a scale from one to five joysticks. So start us off, please. So I'm rating this game for 4.75 joysticks. Ooh. I want to give it the five. It is mm. my favorite fighting game of all time. I think it's the mm. pinnacle of the genre. I love the infusion of the RPG elements, multiverse, that functionality. It's like the only good example of games as a service. But those uh, microtransactions that I have, like to change your uh, costumes, you know, functionality from the gear and whatnot, the source crystals. Microtransactions, unforgivable sin. I have to deduct it a little bit. So. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and no no red underwear for Superman. That's taken off a point, too. So, yeah. yeah. I can understand that. I appreciate you sticking to your principles. You're at least 0.25. Now, I thought the microtransactions were only for visuals and cosmetics. They're for actual game-changing stuff, too? So... The gear that you have, uh, you can keep your stats and then change the visuals to one of the other costume pieces you've unlocked. So... What are you really paying for, though? Like the game developers aren't actually creating any new content. Like they're just breaking part of the game so they can charge you money for it. I see. Okay. Yeah. Unforgivable. Yeah. Criminal criminal stuff. 
that that must be what Divinity Two Original Sin was talking about this whole time. Exactly. It's actually Divinity Original Sin Two, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your rating? Okay, man. Um, so fighting games for me have never been a big part of my life, and it always like getting into a fighting game feels for me intimidating in the same way like of getting into sports now, like late in life, uh, like as late as I am as like a twenty six year old. Like it just feels like a lot of information, a lot of learning, and it always keeps me away. But I instantly picked up Injustice Two and immediately felt like I knew what I was doing and was having fun. So like I think the big word for this game is just accessibility. It's like the type of fighting game that like anyone can play and have fun with. And that's really important to me as someone who doesn't have a lot of time to like invest in like learning like major long string combos or like weird timing stuff. Like I'm not I'm not into that as much. I like all of the the gear upgrades and I genuinely laugh and have fun with the story, even though I find it to be a little too self-serious at times. I after talking to our guest, it kind of did raise my uh, my impression of the story a little bit. And especially for thinking about how much I I personally don't like Superman. I love that he is the villain of this game and it's like a good something that I can rally around personally because uh, I'm just like, fuck Superman. Yeah, we're going to kill that guy. <laughs> uh, so that may be uh, not, uh, you know, um, kosher uh, for, for DC fans. But uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, and last but not least, as I always say, you can jump in the game. So it's a really good game and I'm going to give it a four out of five. Okay, so I definitely came at this from a different angle than y'all, because I definitely am much more of like a tech fighting games guy. Um, which the which if he so okay, if when I first played this game, I was like, bleh, this sucks," because it's very much not a tech fighter. Like, it's not very combo based. It's not very technical. It's it's pretty like you hit your moves, you try to do your timings and stuff like that. But it's not as much about like measuring hitboxes and counting frames and timing inputs and whatever like that. Um, yeah, like fun stuff. Okay, look, we all have our things. Why don't you go make another YouTube tutorial on how to be an ice wizard in PvP, all right? But, well, maybe I will. Maybe I will. Um, but yeah, so it doesn't have any of that fun stuff like counting uh, frames or measuring hitboxes. Um, but then I sort of realized as I was playing it that that's not what this game is about. Like this game is about the one player campaign in a huge way and that like the multiplayer elements of it are sort of icing on the cake and done better than honestly I expected um, and playing with that framework. So I think that if you're thinking of this game is like if you're a street fighter person, there's not really much of a reason to play this game. But if you're looking for like a fun, accessible fighting game that like uses fighting games as like a mechanism to tell a story and stuff like that, then I think, yeah, we're talking about like maybe like a three, seven, five or a five. I'll give it a four because it does achieve a very specific goal. Its goal is not what I would do with a fighting game by search of the imagination, but it clearly has a goal and it clearly achieves it. Um, so it's kind of pretty hard to argue with. Um, and with that, we're done rating this game, which means it's time for everyone's favorite segment made entirely out of segments. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, friends beyond the binary. It's time for the segment segment. This is the part where Griffin and I each present segments to our guests for fun little games. And then we play said games and do said segments. Griffin, what is your segment? All right, this week? guys, welcome back to Two Truths and a High right. DC Universe Edition. Uh, now, I'm going to say three facts. Two of them are true things I found on the Internet. And one of them is something I wrote when I was high. Now, I feel like I'm going to lose this segment this time simply because we have an expert here who probably knows the things I'm going to mention. But let's see. Let's see if I found some weird ones. Uh, fact number one, 
The Teen Titans once depicted JFK as a cosmic soldier fighting for aliens. The Kennedy that died on Earth was an alien imposter, which freed up JFK to fight for alien rights in space. Fact number two, at the height of his career, Stanley Kubrick was in talks to direct an Aquaman feature film, but bowed out due to concerns that he might get wet during production and never learn to swim. Fact number three, the Joker once became the Iranian ambassador to the UN as a ploy to gain diplomatic immunity to Batman so he couldn't get him. He gave a speech about Iran's might in front of Congress. Okay, so I know for a fact that you're referencing a very famous comic book story with number three. That's uh, yeah. a death in the family. Uh, that's where uh, the second Robin is murdered by the Joker. And in fact, his uh, Joker's injustice finishing move is based directly off of that run where he <laughs> ties you to the electric chair and beats you with a crowbar. That's how he killed Robin uh, when he was the Iranian ambassador. So <laughs> so it's got to come down to uh, JFK as an alien ambassador or uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. For, yes. And... And Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. See, I feel like the Stanley Kubrick one is really just referencing like Entourage, making the joke of, oh, ha ha, an Aquaman movie. How implausible is that? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's got to be the high. I think okay. that, and Lux? I think that the first one's the high and the second one's real. Because I have the phrase Stanley Kubrick Aquaman movie for some reason, like rang a bell in my head (laughs) which could just be because i'm a fucking moron but also like it did trigger something and i you know i'm just gonna go with my gut oh dear well looks like our guest wins as i expected yes i do every time we play this fucking game i'm kind of ashamed i didn't know about jfk as like an alien ambassador though yeah, in Teen Titans. Yeah, I got to go a, back and look at that one up. <laughs> got to check that one out. Anyways, well done to our guest. That was two truths and a high. And poorly done to me. Uh, that's it, as usual. Um, and now we're going to play everyone's favorite game about analingus. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're playing another round of Do They Eat Ass DC Universe Edition. Also, in this game, I'm going to name three characters from the DC Universe, and you two will decide whether it is through combative conflict or cooperative conversation, whether or not those characters do or do not eat ass. Our f- three characters we're going to talk about are some classics Superman. Batman and the Joker. So let's start with alphabetical order. Batman first. Does Batman eat ass? So I've given this one a lot of thought. I thought this might come up. So (laughs) Batman is a master of every single martial art known to man. But he's basically perfect at everything, which means he has perfected the Kama Sutra, tantric sex, like every single sexual position that you've ever seen in any single porn. He knows how to do it better than any other human being. So could he theoretically give analinquists? Yes, but he doesn't have to. He can please superheroines and villainesses better than anyone else. He doesn't need to pleasure them that way. Okay. Interesting. So he could, but he's got an entire arsenal. I guess exactly. that's fair. That feels very Batman to me. Now, yeah, I also I also feel like the ability absolutely is there. But I I think he's like the kind of guy that's like so busy all the time. Like like I mean, obviously in the comics, like he hooks up with people, um, but it just seems like he's a busy guy. I don't know if he's I don't know if he's doing that stuff. But you do mention that he has trained in everything. So I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I think that that's a fair point. Um, he does have a little bit of cop vibes. And uh, I've, canonically, I don't think cops eat ass, but. I think the argument that he's very good at everything is practiced. Everything holds a lot of merit. And I think that the idea that there's a universe where he might have to eat ass to somehow like save Gotham from the penguin um, is something that like would have crossed his mind at some point. And as we say, he's pretty much prepared for anything. So that checks out. 
Um, speaking of Batman's enemies, what about the Joker? Does the so, Joker eat ass? I, I see the Joker as being very asexual. Like him and his relationship with Harley Quinn, it's like Joffrey back when uh, they yes. brought the horse to him, where totally. he's going to get much more satisfaction torturing that girl. They probably never once consummated that relationship. So, mm, yeah, he yeah. is not as beautiful as Margot Robbie is. He is not touching that ass. Yeah. And I didn't really like that house, like how's like they made it seem like they were trying to hook up in Suicide Squad or whatever. I was like, I don't believe that at all. Yeah. (laughs) They were very boyfriend, girlfriend in that movie, I felt like. Right. Yeah. That was a weird portrayal. I also think the Joker doesn't need to ask because he's a fucking psychopath. Um, I'm holding off for the Joaquin Phoenix uh, iteration. Uh, well, you're where, you know, I think a stand up comic in like a like a 70s New York style Gotham. Definitely. We'll see. Man, I do not. I'm not excited about that trailer at all. That was my most recent uh, video for Wisecrack, the urge and the Joker saying why I am not excited for that movie. Yeah, yeah, we we, we did put that one out fairly recently. That was again. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, isn't it directed by the guy who did the hangover movies? Yeah. Sick. I mean, like there's legs to an idea to a version of that movie, but it. The trailer that we got does not seem like it's that version of the movie. But anyways, I agree on the Joker. But now let's talk about the, the Big Apple, the City of Lights, the, uh, the Windy City. It's Superman. What am I talking about? Let's talk about Superman. Does Superman eat ass? So Superman is an extremely square person like Ma and Pa Kent, you know, grew him up right, like on milk and whatnot. Like he is a boring guy. That's just who Clark Kent is growing up on the farm. He has only ever had missionary style sex with Lois Lane only after they got married a little bit of super speed in there but otherwise lois secretly disappointed she hasn't ever said it but yeah she expected more from the man of steel see okay that was the variable i was going to ask about is because lois lane's a big city lady but if you think that she's just sort of like sort of dealt with it and and sort of yeah done the whole internalized patriarchy just let it let him do what he wants thing um which i buy because uh, capitalism is evil um I, that checks out to me griffin what do you think <laughs> Yeah, I agree with our guest. Ass is a ass is an urban affair. You know, it's it's something that you do uh, do with the, in the in the big city. Um, but uh, yeah, he's a, he's just kind of like a farm boy, and you know, he might have experimented with animals um, out there. <laughs> uh, I don't. I haven't read the books, guys. I haven't read the comics. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no, and it has nothing to do with my gripe with the character. Yeah, I. So here's a fun fact uh, that was established by uh, Earth Two writer James Robinson. The Kryptonian anus, entirely vestigial. They have evolved to the point they don't defecate anymore. They've achieved 100% there was like digestive efficiency. So <laughs> other Kryptonians raised differently maybe do eat ass because there's nothing dirty down there for them. Interesting. Huh. Hey, and Griffin, vestigials into the vegetables. Vestigials like the kind of tail I had when I was born. <laughs> Just like sort of leftover. <laughs> oh, okay. That cleared everything. I didn't up have for a me. vegetable tail. It was a human one. Um, they got removed with a, a, a bone sander and a. Wait, is that why your PSN name is? Oh, sorry. Yes, that is, that is why I used to in many online spaces because I used to have a tail um, for like a day, um, and then they got rid of it. Um, but huge mistake. I think it's good that I I've looked at what vestigial tails an adult look like, dude, and they are 
fucking gross. Oh, okay. I mean, Nightcrawler pulls it off pretty well. That's now a you can never get a, into Xavier's. That's a real tale, though. This, these vestigial tales are like, like if you wrapped a finger in like stomach fat and stuck it to someone's back, it's gross. They're bad. Dude, if you could have, if you kept the tail, you could have been Nightcrawler and broken into the White House and almost killed the president. Well, I don't settle for almost. Um, <laughs> all right. And on that super cool note, that sure not to make anyone upset with me on the internet, um, we are done here. So, Matthew, you've been a fucking amazing guest. Where could people find more of you, which I am sure they will want to? So, uh, I still have my old site, the Hub City Review. I still occasionally do reviews for movies like Captain Marvel and Shazam. So, you can find me there. Um, yeah. And they're good. They're extremely dense, but very good reviews. You should, everyone should read them. Griffin. What about you, bud? Pulse on Game Boys Pod or check out some of the vids at Dad's new apartment. Um, and don't check out Lux's Blood Bowl thing. It's it's not a not something you should spend time on. Well, that's really it's it's sort of rude of you to do. It's here. a deep plug. <laughs> but I'm not putting out any Blood Bowl content right now. So <laughs> jokes on just, you, idiot. Just talking about it on here. <laughs> um, yeah, our podcast about video games where I talk <laughs> about the video game that I play. Um, I feel like that's totally within reason reason um also within reason is yeah hitting us up on the game boys uh pod on instagram looking for me on twitter at ml surfboard looking at wisecrack for videos by both me and matthew or um looking uh going to facebook and checking out party world wrestling which is uh is coming back soon our next show is going to be announced soon i don't think it's out yet but it's coming and you should check it out and uh next we have a review it really solid love of gaming by spilly b bias because i was on the pod but these two really love the games they talk about they're fun interesting and have a great appreciation for a variety of games so gamers rise up and then gamers listen lol um thanks spilly b i think i figured out from who what you wrote who you are and i appreciate the input um but that's gonna do it for us today if you want to get on the show uh like spilly b did leave us a review five stars and a rating five star rating and a little review on itunes and we'll read it or dm us on at Game Boys Pod on Instagram, but that will do it. My name is Lux. I'm your host, your co-host Griffin Davis, your guest is Matthew Terrio, your editor producer is Haley Clement, your intro and outro music is by Matthew Morton, and your art is by Brittany Metz. Goodbye, Internet. We love you very much. Oh, uh, we were playing Injustice 2. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>